Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 169 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Full Spectrum Healing, an interview with Danielle Pashko. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. This was a fascinating woman, Matt, who healed herself first spiritually, then emotionally, and then finally physically. And Rich, Danielle gave us such great information on each of these three topics. She talked to us about how she studied the teachings of Rabbi Nachman spiritually. On the brain chemistry front, she talked to us how people's brains with chronic Lyme are like brains of those coming back from war who have PTSD. And she specifically talked to us about how to produce more gamma in the brains of chronic Lyme patients. And on the physical front, she talked to us about the use of ozone and UV light therapy and how those are game changers in her healing journey. So Matt, the greatest testimonial about Danielle's approach to healing is she's actually healed herself on two separate occasions and she's now going forward with trying to heal herself a third time. She healed herself from cancer. She healed herself from chronic Lyme. And now, unfortunately, because she had come in contact with COVID, she had a relapse from her Lyme, but she feels very confident that she can follow the same modalities of treatment she'd used before and heal from Lyme. Without further ado, Matt, I'm really excited to introduce Full Spectrum Healing with Danielle Pashko. Hey, Danielle, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, we are really excited to have you, Danielle. We know this is going to be a really cool interview. <laughs> and there's going to be all kinds of gems given to our community from you and your really powerful experience, but I don't want to ruin this for our community yet. Let's get to it. First of all, so Danielle, where do you live? I live in the city, Manhattan. And how long have you been a New York City resident? I've lived in the city since high school, so 20-something years. And where did you, uh, where did you grow up before uh, moving to New York City? I lived, lived in Long Island for a little bit when I was like a baby. Then we moved to Florida. And after my mom died, I moved back to New York in, um, in Queens. And then I moved to the city uh, my, in, in high school. So we generally give trigger warnings to our audience when we have all Long Islanders on the podcast. Because we <laughs> I don't really say I'm a Long Islander. I don't, wouldn't even recognize the neighborhood. I think I lived in the five towns till I was like two years old. So yeah. I, I think that hardly, hardly defines me as a Long Islander. And I was I born agree. at Brooklyn, Brookdale Hospital in Brooklyn, but I don't think I'm a Brooklynite either. So right, well, see, but you, you, uh, we would have to give a trigger warning, but you don't sound like a Long Islander. So uh, you will not be butchering no. language the way Matt and I do. So, <laughs> so Danielle, talk to us about uh, what you do for work. I'm a nutritionist. I work in, an, in a functional medical practice on the Upper West Side with Oz Garcia, who's been doing this for about 40 years, and uh, Dr. Lionel Bassoon. And I, you know, I, I do nutrition, and my focus has for a long time um, been mostly surrounding weight loss. Although, after a lot of my experiences with having Lyme and seeing not only are, you know, small amount of people like myself, but it's just becoming such a, 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 a large issue. And now even with COVID and people having post COVID syndrome and so much more awareness, it's starting to shift in terms of where I'm going with, with my practice. So we're going to have to spend a lot of time talking about that, but let's sort of walk it back a little bit. And, and okay. Let's talk about your, your, your educational experience and what your dreams were prior to uh, graduating from college and becoming a nutritionist. So I always had an interest in, in more alternative health because my mother was sick with cancer for the whole time I can remember since I was a, a, a child. Um, she was sick when I was eight years old and she was told she had a very short period of time to live and she didn't want to really go along with that. So she got very into, um, meditation, visualization, homeopathic remedies, uh, macrobiotic diet, um, doing, doing things much more, which is kind of mainstream in a much more natural way. So I was exposed to these types of teachings when I was really young. And unfortunately she didn't end up passing when I was 13, but I felt like my mission in life or what I always had a, a gravitation towards doing was helping other people. I, I wanted to be somewhat of a healer. So I, I ended up studying with a healer actually when I was 18 years old and he had this school called the Academy of natural healing. He was, he did like shamanic work and he taught us about Bach flower remedies. And we were like giving each other reflexology and doing polarity therapy on each other and learning. And I was certified in Reiki so I was into that. And then I ended up becoming a massage therapist at the Peninsula Hotel, which was like this spot back in the day when I was there. And they actually ended up adding energy healing to the menu because I not only did massage, but I was doing this, this healing work. 
And then I became a yoga instructor because I was really into yoga and movement. And I taught every place in New York, like Sports Club LA and the Reebok Sports Club and Equinox and Exhale and um, the Peninsula and had a ton of private clients. And I was doing all this stuff. And then I ended up studying nutrition. And then I ended up moving into that world. I, I, I didn't, I was tired of running around to people's apartments and, you know, just not having a, a home base. And I felt like working in a clinical practice as a nutritionist kind of gave me the stability to, to stand still. So I still always incorporated a little bit of the mind body stuff into the work that I did with my nutrition clients, because I think wellness is not just about the food that you put in your mouth. I think there's such a bigger um, aspect of, of healing and getting well. And, and where does the, um, the illness come from or people who have eating disorders, like what's the root. So we would always get into that kind of stuff. So I was like on this healing track always. So it's not that Lyme has made me more into this world. It's just interesting as a, a practitioner who devoted my life to this. And I'm like, really? So that's, that's the kind of unique part about this story. Yeah, um, I, I think it is unique, or maybe it's not unique. Maybe right? God, no. God has always had you on this on this plan, and, yeah. and at a very early age, you had this very solid foundation built around your experience with your mother and the journey she was on, and then you started to build on that foundation during the course of your life. And so, let's talk about that foundation and when you first started to experience um, what you now know to be the symptoms of your Lyme disease. When did they first present? Um, I would say a little over three years ago. And I, I didn't think it was Lyme disease because I never got the bullseye rash. And prior to that, about 10 years ago, I had thyroid cancer, which thank God everything was, I successfully came out of and fully in remission. But my first thought was, oh my God, it's, I have some kind of cancer. That's what I thought because I was so sick. I couldn't attribute it to anything else because not seeing a rash. And I had gone to the Hamptons for the past 20 something years. And, you know, I was never exposed and Lyme just never even, I saw some, some clients come in with Lyme to the office, but I just, I don't know. I thought I was, it just, I never thought I was susceptible to it for whatever reason. I was like, if I was going to be bitten, that would have happened already, you know? Okay. So, so let's, let's pause there for a second, because this is a really important part of the story. So as part of your life's journey, you went through a, uh, an experience where you were diagnosed with cancer. Uh -huh. And what type of tools did you use to overcome the challenges, the health challenges that were presented to you during that, uh, that part of your health journey? Um, I mean, I think I tried to, first it was complete panic. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Everything that I learned went out the window because I was, I was scared out of my mind. Um, but then I, I went a more natural route. Um, then I think I went a little, a little too, a little too much. I was seeing healers and iridologists and, you know, crystal people and like all, like I was, I was like seeing everybody under the sun and it was actually um, uh, a traditional endocrinologist who took my insurance, who actually diagnosed it. Um, but, you know, I, I got through that. And I think basically um, what it did for me is I found out that I was so into health and so rigid with my, my disciplines. I was a vegan. I would never touch sugar. I worked out twice a day. I was doing all these things because I was so frightened of getting sick because my mother got cancer very young. So I actually backed up a little bit and realized that, you know, sometimes you can do everything in the world and you can plan. And then life sometimes has a different, um, uh, challenge for you, even though you're not really expecting that to happen. So I kind of eased up on, um, being so strict with my, my diet and my rigidity, even though I'm healthy, but I think I, I kind of eased up a little bit and I started living life in a more relaxed state. Um, and I was like in a really good place. I think I really, um, I found a lot more happiness in life and, uh, and less fear. Cause I thought the worst thing that could ever happen to me happened to me. Cause the big cancer, like the big C, like cancer is like the scariest thing in the world. So I was like, okay, that happened. I can breathe now. Like I can live my life and be happy. And I wrote a book about it and I was like, I'm good. <laughs> and I actually felt really well. So that experience allowed you to look at these various modalities of Eastern um, healing, right. and bring balance to your life. And by taking the action that you took and then sort of bringing more balance to your life. That was the healing nature of that portion of your journey. Yes. So now let's talk about your understanding of Lyme ticks and uh, Lyme disease prior to you beginning to exhibit your own uh, symptoms. So you said that you were spending some time out in the Hamptons, which is 
here on Eastern Long Island, a right. endemic community. And mm-hmm. what did you know about ticks and Lyme disease prior to you showing your initial symptoms of Lyme disease? I'll tell you not much, only that I've, I've been working in medical practices for the past 15 years. And we'd have clients come in with Lyme, but unfortunately they would come in and, you know, you would hear a little, it's sad to say, but you know, the nurses or other people around, they'd be like, oh, this crazy patients coming in and the crazy Lyme patients. And, and I had in my mind, like the that Lyme people, you know, maybe cause they had so many symptoms that, you know, maybe something was like, it was exaggerated. Like it was hard to believe that you could have so many things wrong with you. So I kind of, it sounded so insensitive as a practitioner because I, I, you know, I already went through something so terrible and yet I still had this perception of Lyme, like the people who are going through it, like maybe they're a little, you know, maybe they're a little bit off. And, um, I finally understood it once it happened to me, I was like, my God, you know, people can't even comprehend all the, all the different things that happen to your body. It's like horrible, (laughs) you know, but I, I really, I really got it after it happened to me. Yeah. So one of the things we've learned, especially with a recent interview we did with Joseph Buraskana, who we, we have uh, titled the first Lyme literate doctor, said that one of the reasons why it's so difficult to diagnose Lyme disease is in part because it is known as the great imitator, but right. it's actually more than that, right? Because you have these migrating symptoms and because you have these migrating symptoms and people are coming back and, and talking about having knee pain one day and brain fog another day, and, and, and you have these migrating symptoms, um, we start to see these people as, as, as really just sort of having a whole bunch of complaints and not as, uh, as, as, as showing a pattern of, of, uh, of complaints that are consistent with the migrating symptoms of Lyme disease, right? So Correct. it creates a lot of challenges for even folks like you who are open to, um, you know, to validating people, but find difficulties with, with diagnosing them. Right. So your nurses and everything right. and these folks are, are nuts. And then, so now talk about your, your, um, developing symptoms and how that initially caused you to be fearful that you were, you were going into a cancer relapse, but it turned out to be something else. Well, what first ended up happening is mostly neurological symptoms. Like I felt um, a lot of dizziness, uh, vertigo, blurred vision. I've always had like the, mo- the the best eyes ever. Like like unbelievable. Like I used to, like that was the fastest texter. People would see me in the elevator and be like, "God, girl!" Like I've never seen hands like that before. Like just you know, I I, I never these glasses are only for. Uh, oh well, no one can see me right now, but I'm wearing glasses right now just to just to block the light. They're not even prescription. But I was getting this blurred out vision. Like I was wearing someone else's glasses with the wrong prescription. And I remember being, and I was in a department store with my girlfriend, maybe right after it happened. And I was like, I feel like I'm going to pass out. She's like, maybe you're hypoglycemic. Maybe, you know, and I was like, maybe it's my thyroid. Maybe I have cancer back. And I went to the endocrinologist and they kind of dismissed me. They were like, no, you know, nothing's wrong with you. Your, your, your numbers look fine. Then I went to a neurologist. I was like, maybe I have maybe I have a brain tumor. And I had two MRIs, you know, with and without contrast. And I was just like, we could not get to the bottom of it. And I was just going from doctor to doctor. And I worked in a, in a functional medical practice. And I didn't even think to check myself for Lyme disease because I never saw a tick bite. So I would like, it just didn't even occur to me. I, I was, you know, going, I, I must've seen, I don't know, 12 doctors, 14. I mean, it was just crazy. And um, finally, within at about a year later, my primary care physician who didn't use any fancy tests like, you know, hygienics or anything like that. We used bioreference, which is covered through your insurance. And he called me back in and it's always scary when you get a call back from your doctor and they say, well, you need to come in to discuss your results. And he, he tested like tumor markers and all these things because I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm dying. Like no one's catching it. It's over. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't understand what was wrong with me. And when I came back, he said, you have Lyme disease. And I was like, part of me was relieved, but then part of me was totally frightened because I work in a practice where I see how sick people get with Lyme disease. And I was like, oh my God, this is not happening. So it was like relief and then complete fear. Okay. So let's, let's pause there and look back at a couple of other things. While your symptoms were developing and while you were going to these 12 to 14 different doctors, 
How were your developing symptoms impacting you first socially? Oh, well, I think that for, for one, I felt it was horrible for my relationship. I was in a relationship with someone that I really, you know, cared for a lot. And I felt like it was hard for him to understand, you know, um, because here I am, I'm like, I'm so physically fit. I look, you know, perfectly normal. And I, I, I had this steep decline, like suddenly, you know, I'm running around, I'm doing yoga every day. I'm super athletic. And then it's just like symptom after symptom after symptom. And I think, you know, he might've thought I was crazy. His family might've thought I was crazy. And then, you know, people, the sad thing about Lyme, I mean, it's sad and not sad. Thank God that it doesn't show up um, in in, in an aesthetic or visible way that, that, you know, you're like, oh, poor girl, you look sick, but no one, I didn't get any sympathy. (laughs) You know what I mean? No one, everyone thought I looked great. So it was kind of like my friends didn't understand like socially why I couldn't really get together at work. I felt like I was just getting through the day, you know, I was, wasn't really doing what I needed to do. And I felt like this fear, like, I I don't know, like, is this going to be forever? Is this my existence forever? And it just, it really, it, it just, I think just people don't understand. And there was just an insensitivity, not meaning for people to be that way, but they were just like, Oh God, you know, like, again, she has to cancel plans. I felt like I was consistently just canceling on people or not being able to get through with my promises. And I felt really bad because I'm, I'm very dependable. That's my nature. So it was, it was very upsetting. So did any of your relationships get ruined by the symptoms that were developing that you ultimately came to understand were your Lyme disease symptoms? Um, I think my romantic relationship, I can't say for sure, but I feel like there was definitely a shift. And I think that I will always wonder, I I feel like that was definitely a big part of what had happened because, you know, I I was unable to do a lot of things that he wanted to do like physically, you know, and whether it was with him or his kids or, you know, I just felt like I, I kept canceling and not being available and I'm young, you know? So it was just, it was, it was like embarrassing to me. And I felt kind of ashamed of what I was going through and I was trying to push. And then it was just, it, it just always like left me really sad. Talk to us about how your developing symptoms were affecting you professionally, meaning were you developing symptoms impacting your capacity to perform well at work? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would check, like if I send an email to somebody or work with a client and write a diet plan for them because I do nutrition, I would have to read over and over and over to make sure I didn't say something that sounded totally crazy. And sometimes I did. I would look at these words I'm jumbling together and I'm like, that doesn't even make any sense. But, you know, I I just it was definitely hard. I mean, I am fortunate, thank God that I do work in a, in a practice where people do understand. And they've actually been really compassionate to me because like, we're like a family in my office. So they know the quality of a worker that I am. And they just, they just wanted to help me. So they were like, they saw I was suffering and, and I was declining and not giving them everything, but, but there was that sympathy there because I did work in an integrative medical practice that understood Lyme disease. Thank God. Because if I would have worked in another job, I would have been fired or on disability or whatever. So I was able to maintain that with some flexibility in my hours that kind of had to be adjusted and not being in the office as much or leaving when I needed to go. And, you know, there was a a lot of compassion, but it's not like that for most people. So now Danielle, talk to us about what your mindset was like, meaning what was your mind saying to you as your symptoms were developing, as you were beginning to have more and more social challenges and creating social disappointment, and as you were having challenges at work, what was going on with your mind? Will this ever go away? Is this my reality forever? Will I ever be able to be in a relationship that's going to, that I'm not going to mess up in some way because of my health? You know, will I ever be able to, to be the practitioner I want to be? Because what if I have to cancel all my obligations or my appointments or, you know, what if, what if I end up alone because of this? Like, it was just really, um, a a lot of, a lot of questions, you know, like what if this just destroys my life? Did you ever doubt whether or not you were really physically sick? Meaning did your mind ever tell you that perhaps this was just an emotional illness or or a mental illness? Yeah, actually, before I had a proper diagnosis, um, I heard about a therapy called TMS therapy. um, And they also refer to it as mind body syndrome. There was a, there was a book 
um, called healing back pain, um, from, I'm trying to think of the, the doctor who it was, it was, I don't know if it was, I want to say like John Sarno or something like that. I, I may, I may be wrong. So don't quote me. Cause my brain's a little fuzzy right now. Um, but the, the, the point of the book was he talked about that you can have back pain and let's say you get into a car accident and then afterwards you go to get an MRI. Well, at a certain age, everyone goes and gets um, an an MRI. Um, You're going to see some kind of degeneration in your back. So once your mind registers, oh my God, I went and I got this test and they found something, I guess it is bad. And then you start acting out all the symptoms. So this type of therapy was to get people to retrain their brain and learn about neuroplasticity in their brain and, and not give in to the diagnosis or the fear of whatever they think that they have. So I thought this was an imaginary psychosomatic situation. I went to California. It was a a class for practitioners. And I spent a week learning how to talk myself out of my symptoms because this is, this is actually to teach our clients how to do this, but I really went for myself and um, I couldn't talk myself out of it. And I walked out of there and I was like, well, that, that makes a lot of sense, but my symptoms haven't gone anywhere. So yeah, I thought like, yeah, I, that, that was one experience that I had. Um, so let, let's talk, talk about now that you have your diagnosis. Yeah. How did the diagnosis change your ability to, again, have faith in yourself and communicate with your doctors, with your friends and with your colleagues at work? How did the diagnosis change all of that? I think some people were a little more understanding because they were like, oh, you know, I've heard Lyme disease is hard. And I think you have a lot more, I mean, there's, there's not enough people speaking about it, but you have some celebrities that are out there in the public talking about it. And I think, um, you know, that was, that, that really gave them some awareness, but it's, it's still, um, it still was challenging. It still, it still was very challenging, um, you know, for people to really get it. So Danielle, you get called in by your doctor and you're told you have Lyme disease. Yeah. What next? What, what was the course of action prescribed to you by your doctor? Oh, he said you need to see a rheumatologist. And because my, my ANA, anti-nuclear antibodies, they, they were elevated. And then he said, you, you know, and, and maybe you should go see an infectious disease doctor. But I didn't go that route because I used to work with Dr. Jeffrey Morrison of the Morrison Center. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but I worked in his practice years ago. And I remember there was a specialist there in Lyme disease. And I never paid attention to Lyme disease, but I remember that he was working with people, this Jerry Simons, and he had been doing this for over 30 years. And he's based out in East Hampton, but he works in the city a few days a week. So my first thing was like, oh, I need to go see Jerry. So I went to go see him and he was a tremendous help to me. He, um, he, he, we started off with doing, um, you know, some antibiotics. I did the bicillin injections that you do, um, intramuscular, you know, um, in your butt, <laughs> I did that for a couple months. And then he put me on a drug called Alinea, but then I also did a lot of reading by myself. So I went through the gamut of different kinds of treatments. I was doing, um, something called UV light blood irradiation. I was hyperbaric oxygen and ozone and, um, these, shots from Cuba that were almost like stem cells that were injected into me to raise my immunity. And I went through this whole, this whole process. And, um, and then I really started heavily meditating and try to grab into all the skills that I had from back at the time when I was, um, a yoga instructor and I was teaching meditation and I really got into that. And I also really got into praying very heavily because I was like, I felt like there was an element that this was sort of like, is this, is this like a challenge from upstairs? So, you know, so I was praying, I was meditating, I was doing my yoga the best I could. I was have my arsenal of supplements that I was on and doing all these treatments. And I actually, um, after about a year's time, like I would say, if I was at a hundred percent feeling sick, I, I, I went down to like 25% feeling sick, like got pretty functional. And I said, you know what, if this is like the worst it's going to be, like I can live with this, but I was so happy that I was able to get to that point. And most, a lot of people didn't even know I had Lyme disease. If I didn't post it on social media, nobody knew like, cause I didn't, I didn't present to someone who had Lyme. So Danielle, before we go any further with that, I want to first ask, before we go into detail about your specific treatments and asking you how they worked for you specifically, you mentioned the emotional component, but you did go to this class before getting diagnosed 
that was really, it's all in your head and teaching you techniques to overcome the psychological component. So talk to us about the difference between the emotional component of Lyme disease and the course you took to overcome sort of psychosomatic illness. Well, I still use some of what I learned and that is, is not, not saying you're not, the symptoms are not real and they're not happening, but at the time when you're experiencing them, don't always give into them and talk about them constantly. Like, Oh my God, I have this headache. I have this thing like actually to try to detach yourself from that and focus on something else, even though it's really hard to do, but it was learning a lot about detachment. And sometimes i actually did this. I, I had joint. The one thing that the course did remove, I had weird elbow pain that did not go away. And I just sort of like disengaged myself from it. And after that course, I never had any joint pain again, like it completely left. Um, so that was gone, but I tried to do that and try not sometimes to get so deep into my symptoms and talking and crying about it. And I found being busy, even on the limited, um, you know, some people are not able to get out of bed. Some people are not able to be busy, but whatever I was able to do, I try to distract myself. And I find that that was better for me versus if I was just sitting at home and maybe on disability, because I could have been on disability, but I felt like the busyness um, really helped me and helping other people, you know, like, you know, helping my clients because they were going through their own situation and maybe it wasn't Lyme, but I find that if you're, if you're, if you're helping someone else who's going through a struggle, you start to forget about your own problems for that period of time. It's like, you know, it's the, the best thing. It's like giving charity, you know, it's like, it kind of takes away the, whatever, whatever you have on you, it really helps to just give to someone else. And you, and you, you're, you're out of your, you're out of your head for a little while. So I think that course taught me to get out of my head. So also talk to us more about prayer because a lot of our guests and myself included have cited, we can't get through our Lyme journey. Or it would have been much more difficult to get through our Lyme journeys without our faith and our belief in God. So for you specifically yeah. and personally, how did your faith and your religion and prayer help you get through this tough time? Oh God, I don't know what I would have done without having, having faith and, and, and praying. And I think, you know, I don't, I don't think that for some people, whatever religion you are, I happen to be Jewish and some people may take a prayer book and they, they, they read from it and they feel like that's the way they connect. But for, for me and for the way that I've learned to even do prayer um, is really just to, to speak to whoever you think your creator is. Like, I like, it's almost like a therapy session. Like you sit down, it, it would be crazy if anybody was watching and they saw me doing this, but like, I will sit and sometimes like for 20 minutes and sit and talk to, you know, for me, it's God, whoever, you know, whoever it is for you, that that's great. As long as you have somewhere you can connect. And I sit and I talk to my problems and it's not only like begging for, oh my God, you know, like I'm, I'm so sad. I'm so victimized. This is terrible, but also like learning to, 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 to do some thanking too, and, and try to understand the lesson in this. And I, and I would always say, I'm like, you know, I know there's a lesson in this and I know that nothing is created by accident, but please, if you're going to give me something to, to challenge, to deal with, just please don't let it be through suffering. Please teach, tap me gently in another way, but just, I don't want this to be the, the lesson I have to learn anymore, you know, but I would sit and, and, and honestly, every day I would do this and just, and then I would do a meditation and I would visualize myself being better and actually imagine myself healthy. And, you know, I, I've been meditating since I'm 11. So like, that's something that's easier for me to get into, but there are some really great apps and tools and things like that. Um, visualizations that really just help to calm me down because you have to have, have tools to, to calm, you know, the nervous system and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I can share those later. Cause I have a few of those tools that I use um, to help to, to relax when I'm kind of freaking out so Daniel, <laughs> while we're on that topic, because we've heard from almost every guest that we've interviewed, they find it very difficult to meditate. They just can't get themselves calmed down enough to get into that that zone. So if you could now let, you know, let our listeners know what advice, what specific apps and techniques and tools you can provide that they look into to help themselves be able to meditate, to calm down their nervous system and also have a different perspective and also just sort of have a different mindset towards their illness. Right. Meditating can be difficult. And sometimes I don't even want to meditate because my mind will start to wander um, when I'm really having a bad day. So I like to hear a guided visualization. There's, there's two things. One is um, it's called Insight Timer, and that's free. So anyone can download that. And there's there's hundreds or thousands of free meditations people can listen to, and there's a lot on healing. 
And the one that's paid, but I happen to think is the best. Um, and I listen to it every day. It puts your brain into an alpha state, which really helps to calm people. The reason it was developed, it works with um, vets and people in the army and have PTSD. It's called, um, it's called NUCALM, N-U-C-A-L-M. And there's different tracks that you can listen to. And I put on my headphones and I'll lay, I lay down on my back. I don't sit in a lotus pose in my, with my you know hands together, fingers together. I lay down, I close my eyes, I put my headphones on and I put like, a, I think a, I happen to like gravity blankets. If you, they do this treatment in spas and they give you a gravity blanket, like a weighted blanket, but you can just put a regular blanket on to make you just the weight feels really good. And you just listen to this for about anywhere between 20 minutes to an hour or can go in a loop. And it just calms you so much that you feel like you've just taken a Xanax. I promise you. <laughs> so talk to us more about, you mentioned this being similar for people that have PTSD from war, but we've seen a lot of crossover in the Lyme world where many people from the medical trauma and also just yeah. the physiological effect on the brain that the Lyme bacteria has, that they do get stuck in this, this fight or flight state and they have this trauma and this PTSD. So talk to us more about the alpha uh, state that you mentioned and how people's brains get sort of stuck when they have chronic Lyme disease. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of fear and your starts, your, it's like your, your brain is firing like crazy, all these different hormones and adrenaline and norepinephrine. And it's just like, it's helping to, to combat. And it also helps to, when you're, when you're doing some of these meditations, at least doing the new calm, there's a, there's a, there's a, neurotransmitter in your brain called GABA. And that's, that's helping us to um, relax and come to a calmer state. So when you're taking these um, anti-anxiety drugs that people are on, the, the, the main function of that is to help your, your brain start to produce more GABA. So by actually doing this kind of meditation, it's a drugless way of producing this, this um, neurotransmitter without actually um, having to go for a medication because yes, there is such a component of, of, of PTSD. I mean, I, I will go through anxiety after I'll get calm. And then I look back and I'm like, oh my God, you know, like it's, it's scary. So you, you have, you have to do this as a ritual. You can't just do it once. It's, it's, it's like a constant practice to get yourself out of it. And, and yeah, I can understand why people have, have major trauma after this because it's, it's terrible. And a lot of the medicine you're talking about can become habituating or sort of yeah. addictive, right? But uh, you did mention earlier that you take some supplements or you've taken some supplements. Have you found yeah. any supplements, maybe herbals or anything out there that aren't habituating or, or addictive that can help produce more GABA in the brain and also help calm down the brain from that fight or flight state and sort of really you know, create a more calming state for somebody with Lyme disease. Right. Well, there is a supplement called, um, pharma GABA and it's, it's GABA. Sometimes when you take it orally, it's hard to cross the blood brain barrier, but pharma GABA is, is supposed to work a little bit better. Um, it's not going to work the same as taking like a benzodiazepine, like a, you know, Klonopin or something like that, but it does help. Also, um, there are, um, you can take phosphatidylserine, which can help the body um, produce more GABA. There's also um, something called Macuna purians. You can look that up and that also helps to produce um, more dopamine and dopamine is the, the hormone that helps us to, it's like a feel good hormone. And um, then there's some of the, I would say talk before doing any of this, maybe just talk to your doctor or healthcare professional, but there's a lot of the, um, in, in the racetam family, there's, there's supplements, they're called nootropics and they work on the brain. So there's paracetam, aniracetam, um, there's uh, phenobut, different things that help to work um, on the brain. Also L-theanine has the calming effect on the brain. I, I'm really into uh, brain supplements also for more mental clarity. A lot of the nitric oxide boosters like um, uh, beetroot extract. It's very good for brain frog, brain fog, not brain frog, brain fog, um, L-citrulline, um, also arginine is good. I know I'm rambling here, but I'm just thinking of some of the things that I do use with clients and even myself that I've, I found beneficial. If you see my smoothie in the morning, all the stuff that I put in there for my brain, it's a little overwhelming, <laughs> but I do feel that it definitely helps because for me, 
the neurological symptoms have been the, the strongest. And this is, um, this has been very helpful. So I do want to make a comment that many people in the Lyme community have been told that they're crazy. They've been dismissed. So I just want to clarify that we're not saying that this is something you control alone by just changing your mindset. These are yeah. real brain chemistry issues that can be helped by meditation, can be helped with supplementation, but you also need to treat the physical condition as well. Would you, would you agree course. with that? Agree with that for sure. And if you need to go, you know, listen, as much as a naturalist I am, if you need to go on a course of antibiotic therapy, you have to do that. I've taken another drug called Alinea, um, which is, um, it's an, actually an antiparasitic but it also works to break down the biofilm of the Lyme. And, you know, it's a, it's a medication. I don't like being on medications, but sometimes you, you have to do things to be able to be well. So your, your mental state can heal and, and calm yourself down because if you're not addressing the physical symptoms and then you're, you're in this constant panic state because you feel so bad then you won't be calm enough to heal. And the body can only heal if it's in a, in a more relaxed state. So you, you got to do what you got to do. You know, if you need to take some medication to sleep, you have to do that because you need your sleep. And then eventually, as you start to calm down, you can start to wean off these drugs once you've addressed the, the, the root issue of, you know, killing the actual bugs and doing what you need to do for the Lyme. So let's talk a little bit more about, you mentioned Alinea is an antiparasitic that can also help break down the biofilm. And we've been preparing for an interview with Dr. Alan McDonald, who is one of the Lyme pioneers in regards to testing and treating Lyme patients. Mm -hmm. And he's a major advocate that biofilms are a major problem in the chronic Lyme community. And Mm -hmm. he also argues that parasites, specifically nematodes, are a huge issue in in neurological problems and even leading to dementia in some Lyme patients. So do you know anything in that area as far as the parasitic role with Lyme disease that you could speak to? I mean, I, I know that it, it, it definitely plays a role and, you know, that's, that's one of the issues. And we find people also have, you know, mold toxicity and, 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 and a host of other problems and, and co-infections and things like that, that probably they, they would have never known about had they not had Lyme disease. It's something that's never tested for. So I think it is important to address all these issues and work with a Lyme literate doctor that can test all those things and make sure that those things are being treated as well, along with the Lyme itself, because Lyme is part of the issue. But then if you have co-infections or parasites or mold or whatever, you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're kind of targeting all, all angles. So you definitely should, should look into that. And if you can, um, I, I, you know, and if you're, you're having symptoms that could be related to parasites or even questioning it, I would definitely, um, you know, do a stool test and see what you can come up with. So let's pivot over to the physical side and what you did both from a natural perspective and from a Western perspective to help your body heal from the bacteria, viruses, parasites, et cetera, that you probably got from, from various tick bites likely in your life. So you did mention a couple of things that you rattled off earlier. And the first one was, um, UV light. So can you talk to (laughs) us about how you utilize UV lights in your healing journey and if it's something you'd recommend to our listeners. I do. It's actually very similar to 10 pass ozone, which I've, I've done a lot of also, and they work in that they, you, you're hooked up to uh, it's, it looks like a, like an IV pole and you have a catheter that's placed in your arm and it pulls out the blood and it runs up this, this IV pole. And it goes into what looks like the size of a Mason jar that it actually fills up all your blood. And then it goes back down this, the, the, um, the IV and it's your blood is run under a UV light. And the, the intention is that the, the blood is clean through the UV light and then it's reinfused back into your blood, um, your, into your vein. The same thing is very, it's very similar to 10 pass ozone, um, which instead of going through a UV, um, and cleaning at your blood, the same process, it's, you have a catheter in your arm, the, the blood goes into this, this, this jar, and then it's clean with this hyperbaric oxygen. And then again, it's reinfused like a transfusion back into your vein. So both of these are similar. And I do find that, um, they both were very helpful for me and it just gave me a little more mental clarity. Um, it also does work on mold and parasites, um, to do that, you know, the, it, it works very well. The issue with a lot of these things is they're, they're pricey. And, um, and that's what I, I feel, I feel for people because I know that it's so hard that it's not fair that you have to have, you know, such a big bank account to be sick. And that makes me really sad. So, but these are effective treatments and, and, um, 
I, uh, I, I do recommend them. I mean, cause I, I feel like they've attributed to a lot of my healing, you know, even though they were expensive. So what other things would you recommend? Because we have heard many of our past podcast guests cite that antibiotics alone would not help them. And it makes sense now from hearing yeah. their stories that antibiotics are just addressing some of the bacteria. And we know the bacteria can hide in, in tissue. It can hide in biofilm. It can, it can, it can go into the cystic form and then innovate antibiotics. But there's also a, a viral component. There's also a parasitic component, as we mentioned, right. that you get from a tick bite. And all of those things together, plus pre-existing conditions you may have been managing, are contributing to your chronic illness. So you just described that that the the IV uh, white therapy and the ozone therapy is more of a broad, wider approach to heal the body as a whole. So what other holistic tools have you used that have a more whole body approach to healing rather than a monolithic antibiotic therapy? Right. Um, also herbs and supplements. So I do work with a um, Chinese uh, herbalist down in Florida, uh, Dr. Fudi. He happens to be great. And he's been like almost like a family doctor for like 20 years. Like every time I would always show him like my before Lyme, I would just show him lab work from wherever. And he was, you know, and then based on that, he would work with me. So I do use Chinese medicine. I know there's some good practitioners in New York. I've heard of Dr. Zhang. A lot of people mention him. I've never met him before. I've never worked with him. But Dr. Foodie does, but also he works long distance. So it's funny. I take a picture of my tongue and I will send it to him and he can kind of tell, he can't check my pulse that way, but yeah, it's like take tongue pictures and send them to Florida and he sends me herbs. Um, the other thing is, you know, there are some really great herbs like, um, uh, cat's claw and also, uh, biocidin and, I'm trying to go through the list of all these different things that I was on. My God, I feel like I might've been on 90 different things. Um, I'm having a little bit of a blank right now with all the supplements that I'm on, but I did use a lot of um, herbs and supplements uh, pretty seriously. And I did this homeopathic remedy that was an injection in my butt also. <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember the name of it at the moment. Um, I've done so many things, but they've all um, been really helpful. So, you know, the first, the first step was, was doing the antibiotics, but I would say the rest of the, the path was using more alternative treatments and they worked. So we, we have heard a lot of our guests use biocide in the past to help break up biofilm, yeah. but I do want to ask you because clearly you had the strength and the courage to move forward with a wide variety of human protocols. And many people we speak with offline express that they have fear because They've tried many treatment protocols and they've just gotten worse from those treatments. So what advice would you give them, you know, to continue on to keep trying other protocols to feel better and to get out of that stuck state? Because you clearly kept fighting, even though, you know, you did one thing, you try another and another and another, and you never got stuck in your healing journey. So what advice would you give to those people that aren't doing anything right now and are still sick and afraid to move forward? Well, I think you know, it's, it is hard when you're, when you're trying so many things and you feel like you're, you're coming to a standstill. And I don't, I don't think you just should do the grenade approach where you just throw everything at yourself. And then you're like, it's, it's overwhelming because sometimes people's bodies are not strong enough and they have this Herxheimer reaction and they feel like they're just, they get even sicker and that does actually happen. And it's discouraging. So I would say, um, you know, using, staying on a supplement plan, I, I say the entire time and things that can strengthen you and eating really well is a really big component that we can at least control. So I would say having a, a really good um, diet, maybe working with a nutritionist, if you're not really that familiar on the types of foods to eat, but just eating really clean, um, avoiding things that are too inflammatory, because we know that Lyme disease, so much of the issue is inflammation. So um if you can avoid things that, you know, uh, gluten processed foods, things like that, and really make it your business to be as healthy as you can be also getting some kind of exercise in because exercise is just so important and the way it just helps with circulation, moving lymph, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, trying to, to, to do that, finding, um, time to do things that anything that can bring you some joy, you know, because these, these are things that are not so expensive to do, but it's like, and meditating and, and, and at least, you know, you know, you have to chip away at the little things that you can help. So maybe the, the big things are not right for you at this moment, but try to heal even little, little parts of yourself, you know, like a small step at a time and just, and, and see if cumulatively, cumulatively, if all of that 
will start to make a difference in the way that you're feeling. And then once you're ready and you're strong enough, you know, after you've taken a break from the big guns, like the ozone or the hyperbaric or all of that, then maybe you can go back to that once again, but I wouldn't give up. You know, there, there is, there is somebody out there that's able to work with you. I certainly am not giving up. Um, you know, I, I've, I've had times where I felt really well and then I've not felt so well. And I just, I will not accept living subpar, you know, I mean, there is part of it, an acceptance to this, where maybe you're not going to be hundred percent all the time, but I think you just need to keep pushing yourself as much as you can, but not in a stressful way in a, in a peaceful way that you can just do a little every day. So one of the things that we've learned from Dr. Rawls and Dr. Biroscano is that exercise is critical to yeah. overcoming chronic Lyme disease. And that sounds so difficult to some because many people that listen to this podcast and follow us on social media are bed bound or wheelchair bound and can't move. But we have been told that there are exercises people can still do in bed. And the key to that is it will help strengthen the immune system. It helps get the blood flow flowing. It helps get your lymph flowing. And those are all critical functions that are necessary to heal. So what advice can you give to those people who are bed bound and wheelchair bound or, or even tips or techniques for them just to get their, their blood moving and to get gentle exercise going to help them start the healing process, even though they may be bed bound? Well, exercising, I understand, you know, is really hard. And I think for those kind of people, they, they, that's a good candidate for someone to do a lot of the visualization and even even if they can imagine themselves doing, doing movements in their, in their visualization. And just, I, I believe the body has a way to actually start to, to work through healing just by visualizing yourself, visualizing yourself doing these movements. Um, and there's, there's also, um, which, you know, watching, watching things that are motivational that start to bring you in a, a better mindset. I think um, you've probably discussed it on one of your shows. Um, uh, do you, DNRS dynamic neural retraining system. I, I, I did, I did do that, watch that whole DVD series. And I found that it really was helpful and made a lot of sense. So, you know, do what you can do at the moment, you know, don't, you can't compare yourself to other people. You can't push yourself to go further than you can, but any little step you can take to start getting a little more strength is good. Even if you can get up the strength to just sit outside with some fresh air and just sit in a chair and, and move your arms and not, you know, not feel like you have to go walking around the block, but I, I think just to, to, to be, to be somewhere where you can just get some air and, and just be outside a little bit. I think you just need to change your perspective, sitting in a room that's making you depressed, move to another room, move to the living room, do something that's just getting you a different change of scenery. So you're not feeling so sad. So Danielle, let's circle back to ozone therapy, because you yeah. did mention that you did 10 pass ozone and also DIV ozone. And we have a lot of people who are interested in ozone, but are, but are anxious because of potential side effects. And also, is it really going to work? And it, and it's expensive and, and it could be a long-term commitment. So can you talk to us about the different types of ozone? I think there's IV ozone, there's rectal ozone and the ones that you did. And ultimately, would you recommend it to those who are listening to this podcast? Right. There's a lot, there's a lot of different types of ozones, but the ones that I can really speak to that I've had had my own is the, the DIB, the direct intravenous ozone, which is just, um, ozone that's, that's put into a, to a vein with a certain, with a large syringe. And it's a quick procedure. Um, that definitely gave me some energy. Um, and I, and I felt that it helped, especially as a maintenance. Um, I think those two treatments are honestly what, really put me into a very good state. I mean, I happen to work in a medical practice. So we, you know, we have these things available. It's hard to find 10 pass, but the 10 pass ozone, I probably did 10 to 15 sessions of that. And then a maintenance of the direct intravenous ozone. And I went from, um, you know, not really feeling so well, not having that much energy. By the time I finished COVID had just, um, just started and we got into a quarantine state and I had done all these treatments. I didn't realize how well I was until I wasn't going to my office and I wasn't getting the treatments, but they had affected me in such a way that I had felt so sick. I was living on the 10th floor of an apartment and I noticed I just started like getting stir crazy. I started running my stairs and I was like, wait, how am I running up my stairs? Like what happened? I was so sick and now I'm able to do this. And then I found myself able to I was taking walks from um, the city over the 59th street bridge, walking to Queens. Cause I always wanted to see what that was like. And I was, I started taking these long walks and I, I really attributed it to getting those, those treatments. I really felt like it helped me tremendously. 
the, the, the downside of that is they are expensive. They're, they're very expensive. So, but I do feel like they helped. I tried hyperbaric. Um, for me, I, I didn't go with a very high end machine, hyperbaric oxygen chamber. I went maybe like a lower end machine. I did, I did spend some money on that. I didn't feel like it did so much, but I felt like the ozone was kind of very, a very big key for me personally. Um, and, and, and feeling a lot better and getting my strength back. I almost felt like I went into like a remission until, um, until I ended up getting COVID in January. And that's a whole nother story. But okay, So, so right there, I, tell you, I want to just kind of put a natural breaking point there. So within the first year of treating, it sounds like you, you regained 75% of your health you mentioned earlier. And then oh, within two- I think, I think even more, I mean, I was to the point that some days I almost forgot I had, I was like, I, I kind of forgot I had Lyme. I mean, I was really good. And I've always been like a yogi. So that was, I wasn't able to walk very far. I'd be winded. But since I've been doing yoga, since I'm 18 years old, that was one thing, yoga and dancing. It was strange. I had no energy for anything, but my body had such memory with yoga and dancing that like I was able to do that. But suddenly I was like really able to walk. And then I was like running and I just felt like, you know, I was like, what happened? And I thought, Oh my God, like I'm, I'm over this. Like I, I, I felt like I had maybe 10% to go. Cause I still got like, um, in the mornings I still would wake up with sometimes headaches, but I was like, if this is as bad as it's going to get, I'm really grateful. You know, I can, I, I can handle this. So I really didn't think it was possible from someone who started where I started with, you know, blurred vision and dizziness and confusion and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, exhaustion to, to being to where I was that I felt like I was fitter than my friends once again. So, um, it is, it is possible, you know, it took me a few, a lot of different tries and a lot of perseverance and just not, you know, giving up, but I really was amazed that I was able to heal. And yours is certainly a story of hope for those listening that you were so sick and yet you were able to regain your health and become even healthier than your, your friends, which is, which is quite amazing. And I do want to ask, because you did mention earlier that you tried something from Cuba, this transfactor injections from Cuba. So what were they and did they help? I don't really know what's in them, to be honest with you. Um, I was able to get somebody to, to bring them to me. And um, I don't know about their, the, uh, how FDA compliant they are in the US, but I have to say, that those were amazing. And I don't think I have access to those ever again, but they were these injections that were from human, I don't know if it was stem cells or what it was, but they made me feel incredible. And I, and I wish that I was able to, I know there's a product called transfer factor. It's not the same thing. This was actually like used in a clinical setting in Cuba. And I don't know how I got them to me, but I, you know, I work in the medical field and we get things done sometimes. (laughs) Um, No, but it was, it was really, um, it was really amazing. So it sounds like my takeaway from hearing your story so far that the two biggest things that helped you regain your health were ozone and then your herbal and supplement protocols that you were doing in parallel. Is that an accurate assessment or did I miss something else that was a real game changer for you in your healing journey? Yeah. And then I would say the meditation and, you know, the visualization and all that. I don't know if you just said that, but yeah, it was, it was a combination between the herbs, the, the those treatments and a lot of the, the mind body stuff. So now let's talk about your, you're pretty much in remission. You're healthier than your friends. COVID hits, you're running up and down the stairs, you're walking across bridges in New York city. And then, and then you get COVID. So what yeah. was that like? Did you have a, did you have a relapse? You know, talk I to us very, about that. So I had a very mild case of COVID and I was like, yeah, you know, I'll be fine. Like I was, I wasn't even really scared of COVID. Like, I don't know why, but I was just like, it, it didn't really I mean, I was being very cautious, but I was like, if I get it, I'm going to be fine. I feel really well right now. Like I'll get through this. And, um, I actually didn't think I was going to get it because strangely, and I know this happens with people with Lyme disease because their immune system is so, um, suppressed that I never get colds. Like I I'm working in a medical office 11 years and I never had a cold ever. And this, this is something that does happen. So I didn't even think I would, I'm like, I'm not going to make get COVID. I never had the flu before. I don't get colds, but it came out very light. And then afterwards, when I was done with it, it just felt like, um, I felt like the very beginning symptoms of my Lyme. I started, I still actually am experiencing it. It's, um, I get like, my vision gets blurry. I feel like I'm looking at a page and I can't keep track of the words. Um, and, uh, I, I, I have recurring headaches and, um, you know, I've been going through a lot of the same stuff. So I'm, I'm retracing my steps to do, 
what I was initially doing in the first place. And it's questionable, is this post-COVID syndrome? Is this Lyme reactivation? Is it, you know, it kind of works in a similar way, you know, Lyme and COVID are both activating this cytokine storm and this inflammatory cascade that I'm wondering like, what's what? So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a process. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm working through it all over again. And, um, the treatments are not helping as quickly as they did before. So I have to question what is the root of this? Is it Lyme related or COVID related, or is it, I don't know. (laughs) So I do want to pose the question. You mentioned that you really never got a cold or a flu or anything from working at a doctor's office because you no, thought- No, everyone got sick. I was like the, like the, like the miracle child. Like it was amazing. I just ne- never, people come in with like the worst things. I mean, I, you know, I could have friends that are just sick and I would spend time with them. I had a sick boyfriend. He was sweating with the flu. I slept next to him. No, 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 never caught it. <laughs> but, but do you think that it's maybe not because your immune system was, was, operating lower than everybody else's, but maybe because it's operating stronger than everybody else. I've heard two theories. So it could be that it could be that, or it could be, yeah, one or the other. I'm not sure which one it was, but I was, yeah, but I I always thought I had a great immune system, but then I I was reading about it because I'm like, this is so weird. How do I never get sick? And I thought I was going to jinx myself. I would always knock on wood and be like, oh my God, I don't want to, you know, get in trouble for this. But, um, but then, yeah, I, I just never, um, never, never, never had an issue with that. So I really thought I was immune to COVID. I'm like, I'm not going to get this COVID thing. <laughs> I mean, a lot of those supplemented herbals you mentioned, we're starting to learn now are actually helping either prevent COVID or help you respond much better to COVID. They're the and, same. And unbelievably, they're the same. And, and I mean, ivermectin, I was on for Lyme when I never even heard of COVID. And now it's, um, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's the wonder drug and Alinea it's that now they're saying, you know, it was like the three that people were using, um, prophylactically or, or during the, the beginning stages, even Dr. Klinghardt, it was like Alinea, um, hydro, hydroxychloroquine and, and ivermectin. And I'm like, well, I never did the hydroxychloroquine, but the ivermectin and the Alinea I did. And then all these, um, antivirals and whatever. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, and, and then using the oregano and the, um, the vitamin C and the vitamin D and vitamin A and all these things. I'm like, this is my, this is already in my, my, my supplement cabinet. Like I take this stuff anyway. So I just want to say that I think you're being, um, a little too hard on yourself. I think that your immune system is super stronger than you think. And I think that all of those herbs and supplements you've taken have resulted in you just being a healthy individual. And the reason you didn't get so sick from COVID is because you are so healthy and that continuing with those supplements, you're going to get through this post COVID or this, this reactivation of Lyme pretty quickly. Um, and I think that you have yourself to thank for that because the traditional doctors here in New York certainly would not have been giving you what you needed to get better. So I think you should, you should really, uh, Thank you. No, no, (laughs) definitely. They they were not going traditional doctors would not have gone that route. Yeah, for sure. So I'm just curious before I hand this back over to Rich, you know, now knowing what you know about Lyme and tick-borne diseases and parasites and viruses, have you been able to use what you've learned from your Lyme journey to help other people that come into your doctor's office? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, I, I see people who are, you know, either, either they're already, they already have Lyme and they need some, some help in terms of herbs and supplements to take and some, some suggestions on how to get better, or you start to notice patterns in the way that they're feeling. And you're like, you really should be taking a Lyme test. Has your doctor ever, ever checked you before? And they're like, Oh, you know, I, I never, I never saw tick bite. And then, you know, right away, well, that doesn't really mean anything. So I think it's, if they're, if they're not, haven't already ruled that out, it's the first place where I always send them. I always look at lab work before I work with a client. And if they have any of these strange symptoms, I'm like, just do yourself a favor and get a Lyme test. And which we know not always are accurate anyway. So that's, that's the unfortunate part, but at least they get a starting point. So Daniel, let's talk about the different transformations you've gone through in your life. Uh, You've gone through a battle with cancer and you've written a book about cancer. Uh, you, you've had uh, the, the blessing of being able to help a lot of people with late weight loss issues. And you've written a book about that. And you <laughs> seem to be the kind of person that as she goes on her journey, she stops, she, she comes up with frameworks that she used to succeed on a journey and then she shares them with other people. Talk to us about how you've been doing that now with Lyme disease and how you think 
this will lead to your newest trans um, uh, transformation? Well, I just think that's really my heart is 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 with really helping people with chronic illness because it's so, you know, even with having a cancer and and it's it sounds very strange to say this, but I found Lyme more debilitating than even having um, the thyroid cancer because with that I was able to have a surgery and have the cancer removed and take radiation and be better and done with it, you know, whereas Lyme is one of these chronic things that lasts forever. You know, I've been through points in my life, with the way my blurred vision on my brain, I'm like, if there was a surgery I can have in my brain and you could take this Lyme out of me, I'll go in for brain surgery. You know what I mean? Like just, but, you, but there's no cure. So it's something that you have to deal with on a constant basis. So one, yes, I'd love to be able to give tips and tools of people to heal, whether it's you know, natural remedies or protocols or refer them to the right kind of physician that can help them and kind of work in conjunction with their doctor, but also the mental state. I think the mental state is so important because if you, if you get negative, it can break you and you, you really have to stay positive. And I think that's a big part of it. And I think that's why it's so great what you guys are doing because people need support. It's a very isolating disease and they really need to feel like, you know, they're not alone in this. And, and I don't suggest sitting in chat rooms all day and going on forums and looking at everything because that could depress you too. I think you have to be balanced, you know, maybe, maybe if you have a weird symptom and you want to get a recommendation, go check it out, go to a chat room, find out what someone else has done, but then also live your life. Try to find things that are going to make you happy, you know, and don't focus on all the negativity in your world and try to think about, you know, I know it's hard because you feel so tunnel vision when you're going through pain like this, but just, just, just try to like really, really appreciate the good days and say, thank you for them. And eventually, you know, there, there is going to, going to be some improvement. I mean, I've seen it for myself and, and I don't think it just happens to me because I'm lucky. I think it's just, I, I'm not, like I'm not in a place to give up. I'm not, I'm not accepting of that. And I'm not a depressive person and I don't want to be. So. But then you know, talk to us about uh, the studies that you did with uh, Rabbi Nachman and his philosophy and how that was helpful for you from the standpoint of your mindset and the role that played in your healing. So this gets a little bit deep, but um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not the most religious person in the world. I would say I'm more spiritual, but I've always been interested in Kabbalistic theories and, and some of these um, mystical rabbis. And, and um, I happen to listen to um, somebody who not my, they're not direct teachings that I've learned. I've, I've learned them through him. His name is Gedalia Fenster and um, he's based out of Miami and he gives these classes every morning and he just talks about your life is like your, your, your life's mission. Like you come to this world and, you know, everyone has their, their, a soul correction they need to make. And, 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 and Hebrew, they call it your tikkun. And basically it's your, your, your correction that you need to make. Everyone has a recurring theme in their life of something. And like, maybe this is, you know, a health challenge or, or one challenge for people who are going through this. And it's, you know, what, like, what, why are you being tested like this? So, um, so it's really trying to, to understand, you know, why you're going through this challenge. And also Rabbi Nachman, who was, um, who passed away about 250 years ago, um, he was part of a sect of Judaism, which is um, very more mystical, all about the heart, not so much like religion, but really connecting with your creator and like, just really being, um, you know, uh, open to, he was always, always into joy. He was always saying that the, the greatest cause of illness is depression and the greatest healer is joy and to learn to be happy. And when you're happy down here, meaning on earth, that upstairs is when they're, you know, you're going to get the blessing. But if you're, but if you're sad, they would say that, you know, your, your creator doesn't dwell with one that's depressed. And I know that sounds like people might be like, well, you know, how can you not be depressed? And it's, it's really hard, but, but being joy and being happy is showing gratitude. And I really, um, you know, not to sound cheesy, but, but, but believing that is, you know, where, where you, where you get the blessing it kind of changes, maybe the decree that you had, it's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be happier. And I'm going to say, thank you for this. And, and, and hopefully that, um, you know, things are going to turn. So let's focus on that for another minute. I know you, you okay. did say that that was deep, but 
you've you've certainly enjoyed a great deal of grace in your life, whether it be in your cancer battle or in your first battle with Lyme disease, your COVID challenges, and now your second battle. And do you believe that you would have been able to receive the grace that you've received if you weren't full of gratitude and you weren't full of joy? Well, <laughs> to answer that, I wish I can say that I was always full of gratitude and always full of joy. I try and my best stay to be like that, but I'll be honest, just I'm human like everybody else. And there's times that I break down and I'm hysterical. And then the one thing that it gives me is I pick myself up and I'm able to do that. And then I really think about what I know and that I, and my belief and then I try to get into the, that, that right state because it's not easy all the time. I'm not always joyous and I'm not always like living that, you know, way that I wish I can be because I'm not an angel. We're humans, you know? So, but, but it's helpful. It like, it brings me, it brings me back to, to um, the, the, the right state and getting in touch with my soul and just like saying, okay, like I just had a breakdown, felt good to cry, but like, like, like what's, what's, what's really the, you know, how, how can I handle this a little bit better? You know, so I, I have my ups and downs, believe me, I'm, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but it, it helps. So Danielle, I, I heard Matt a little bit earlier say to you that you weren't giving yourself enough credit. And, <laughs> and I have to join Matt in that observation on a, on a, in a different way. And that is, um, you've had a lot of success and you've gone through these beautiful transformations um, in large part because you've been able to be, find a place where you were emotionally healthy and take steps to make sure you're emotionally healthy. You would take steps to make sure you were physically healthy, but then you'd also take these really powerful steps to remain spiritually healthy and receive the grace that God has given to you on your healing journey. So although it is very charming that you are so humble, I think <laughs> it is important for us to identify the important elements that you've brought together so you've been able to heal from so much in your life and, um, and I, I do think that's an important piece that I'd sort of like to pause on for our audience to think about, because, uh, because if we are miserable, if we are complaining, it's going to be very difficult for us to find where God is offering us the grace that is available to all of us when we are in a state of gratitude. So right. I, um, I, do, I do really appreciate you sharing these really beautiful elements of, of your healing journey. And I'm going to ask you for one more uh, sure. One more thing. And that is, we end our podcast by asking the same question of all our guests. And that is, if God forbid somebody that you love came walking into your into your room after this podcast and they had a tick biting them, what would you recommend that they do so they wouldn't have to go on a difficult chronic Lyme disease journey? I would probably, I would, I would take the tick off. I would, and I would I don't know if you're supposed to save it because I didn't go through that experience, but I would definitely take them to one of the, the practitioners that I've, that I've worked with and right away, see, you know, see what we can do treatment wise to align, to a Lyme literate doctor. I wouldn't wait. And um, I, I wouldn't just brush it off and say it's gone. I would definitely want to make sure that they're, they're being looked at and we're just taking care of it in a similar way that you did without letting any more time pass. So I, I, um, I would, I would try to address it immediately and probably, you know, go to someone who's, um, you know, really knowledgeable and, and, and can, and can figure this out that I trust. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with our guest, Danielle Pashko. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Danielle, please visit her at her Instagram page at Pashko Wellness. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of our post. Third, Tick Bootcamp has created a Tick Bite Blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been provided by past guests on this podcast. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. Please note we would appreciate any input or any improvements you would like to share with us. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, our community, for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.